The numbers paint a very clear picture. American men are failing in body, mind, and spirit. This is a crisis. Yet our leaders pretend it's not happening. They tell us the opposite is true. Women are victims, men are oppressors. To question that assumption is to risk punishment. Even as women far outpace men in higher education, virtually every college campus supports a women's studies department whose core goal is to attack male power. Now let's get to those numbers and this episode. Welcome to Intentionally Mouthy, a lifestyle podcast on sass, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, hosted by Annie Paul Murphy. Annie is a naturalized U.S. citizen, originally from Colombia, on a mission to show the world the Hispanic conservative millennial point of view. Join the sassy and sometimes politically incorrect Latina as she explores unconventional ideas and introduces you to new and neat happenings all over. Let's get started. Hey everyone and welcome to another episode of Intentionally Mouthy. On this episode, I'll go over the many ways that feminism has been hurting men for the past few decades. Hold on because there's been a lot of research done and boy do I have lots to cover. Now as you know, this isn't the first time I've talked about feminism and it won't be the last. Last week, in fact, I introduced a short three-part series, which is debuting today with an overview on how feminism hurts men, and in the next coming weeks, I'll be discussing how it hurts children and, of course, women. For a bit of background, let's go over what is commonly referred to as feminism, which in my opinion has become a way to make women think they can have it all, but only at the expense of men and or their own families that they themselves chose to have. Such a thought isn't out of this world. It's common for many of us to think we already have it all. Health, love, a family, a home, a vocation, which doesn't always mean a job, and other truly valuable things. But the definition of all varies, and some women focus on a really narrow meaning. To them, all represents a growing career, a growing family, an increasingly loving husband, time off to do their own thing with their girlfriends, a growing bank account, etc., There's nothing wrong with wanting it all, as long as you're clear on both what exactly you want and that it doesn't come at the expense of other things. It's not difficult to achieve having what you want. In fact, it can lead to downright happiness and self-fulfillment when you understand you deliberately and gladly chose your outcome. This is something feminists don't get. Instead of blaming themselves for something they chose to have and to give up, they blame men. For everything, everything. So I'd like to go over with you the many ways that feminism hurts men, which include degrading advertising, a culture that seems to be battling men, and last but not least, networking apps where men aren't invited. They are, but they aren't. You'll see what I mean. And you'll see that perpetuates this war on men. Degrading advertising is number one on the list, so let's get right to it. Remember how in the 50s, commercials would not indirectly highlight women's incompetence and how they were supposedly better suited for the home because anything else was supposedly too much for them? Just look up 50s ads to see what I mean. One example I found is of a woman looking surprised as she opens a ketchup bottle and the header, the, the header underneath states, you mean a woman can open it? Another ad, this time for Hardee's, you know, the fast food chain, has a woman over her kitchen sink longingly looking at her husband's holding sorry her husband 
holding their child outside the window, and the heading goes, Women don't leave the kitchen. The ad goes on to explain that a woman's place is in the home cooking meals for the husband, but if the male reader doesn't have a missus, then he can get down to Hardee's for a warm meal. Nowadays, it's the complete opposite. The media will have us believe that somehow men are morons and useless, yet capable of inhibiting women's progress. It's like they can't make up their minds. Men are dumb and good for nothing, but yet they're still so powerful to do everything that they've been accused of. I don't know how that works. Actually, not even that. It's believed today that we don't even need men, period, (laughs) for anything. I mean, biologically, if we want a child minus the man, we still need a man's stuff and a lab. But relationship-wise, men are supposedly skippable. It is also believed that society is too patriarchal, that uh, women cannot get ahead, that women earn less than men. Another BS the media loves to promote with no rational or objective basis. With men realizing that they're not necessary, then is it surprising that some have lost interest in good old-fashioned dating or courting, in being knights in shining armor, in being gentlemen? Is it surprising that they've also started to see women as perishable and not worth keeping? That they can share a bed with one woman for years and later discard her for one who didn't see herself as a car that needed a test drive? Before he met me, and this was after he had gone on several first dates, my husband concluded that women were advantageous and wanted a free meal. They'll go out with a man they're not interested in if they can get something tangible in return, like food. They are the male equivalent of tools, basically which both really embarrasses me for what they're doing, for what that is doing to women in general, and also makes me glad that they're leaving the best men to the women who deserve them. So thanks, losers. I got the great one. But I digress. On our list of topics, degrading advertising is followed by how we're living in a culture that's somehow strengthening women and girls and weakening some men. This has been referred to as the war on men. Allow me to explain more. Tucker Carlson did a really interesting piece once about the war on men. I watched it with my husband and was so shocked and saddened at what these men, you know, these days have to deal with. Here's what he said, and I've linked to the video of the segment in the show notes. You hear a lot in America about the war on women, but it's men in America who are failing. We have some shocking statistics. The signs are everywhere. If you're a parent, You may have noticed that your daughter's friends seem a little more on the ball than your son's. If you're an employer, you may have noticed that your female employees show up on time. And of course, if you live in this country, you've just seen a horrifying series of mass shootings, far more than we've ever had. Women didn't do that. In every case, the shooter was a man. Something ominous is happening to men in America. Everyone who pays attention knows that. What's odd is how rarely you hear publicly acknowledged. Our leaders pledge to create more opportunities for women and girls, whom they imply are failing. Men don't need help. They're the patriarchy. They're fine. More than fine. But are they fine? Here are the numbers. Side note, I love how Carlson sets up his arguments every time, by the way. He's really good at successfully employing rhetoric. In this case, he gives us some context and shares what the perception is like before he gets to the facts. The numbers. He continues. Start with the most basic, life and death. The average American man will die five years before the average American woman. One of the reasons for this is addiction. Men are more than twice as likely as women to become alcoholics. They're also twice as likely to die of a drug overdose. But the saddest reason for shortened lifespans is suicide. 
77% of all suicides are committed by men. The overall rate is increasing at a dramatic pace. You often hear of America's incarceration crisis. That's almost exclusively a male problem too. Over 90% of inmates are male. These problems are complex and they start young. Relative to girls, boys are failing in school. More girls than boys graduate high school. Considerably more go to and graduate from college. Boys account for the overwhelming majority of school discipline cases. One study found that fully one in five high school boys had been diagnosed with hyperactivity disorder, compared with just one in 11 girls. Many were medicated for it. The long-term health effects of those medications aren't fully known, but they appear to include depression in later life. Now, another side note, there's this really interesting Prager University video, I'll link it in the show notes as well, about how schools are set up and tailored more to help girls succeed than boys. Yes, apparently boys in American schools are routinely punished for being active, competitive, and restless, you know, for being boys. They're supposed to sit down quietly to read instead of channeling all their pent-up energy into healthy, more active activities, because recess is also now seemingly a thing of the past. Make sure you watch it to learn of two cases where young boys were punished for doing normal boy things. Okay, back to Carlson's segment. He continues, Women decisively outnumber men in graduate school. They earn the majority of doctoral degrees. They are now the majority of new enrollees in both law and medical schools. For men, the consequences of failing in school are profound. Between 1979 to 2010, Working-age men with only high school degrees saw their real hourly wages drop about 20%. Over the same period, high school-educated women saw their wages rise. The decline of the industrial economy disproportionately hurt men. Far Far fewer young men get married than did just a few decades ago. And fewer stay married. About one in five American children live with only their mothers. That's double the rate in 1970. Millions more boys are growing up without fathers. Young adult men are now more likely to live with a parent than with a spouse or partner. This is not the case for young women, rather. Single women buy their own homes at more than twice the rate of single men. More women than men now have driver's licenses. Whenever gender differences come up in public debate, the so-called wage gap dominates the conversation. A woman makes 77 cents for every dollar a man earns. That's a statistic you'll hear. It's repeated everywhere. But that number compares all American men to all American women across all professions. No legitimate social scientist would consider that a valid measure. The number is both meaningless and intentionally misleading. It's a talking point. Once you compare men and women with similar experience working the same hours and similar jobs for the same period of time, and that's the only way you can measure it, the gap all but disappears. In fact, it may invert. One study using census data found that single women in their 20s living in metropolitan areas now earn 8% more on average than their male counterparts. By the way, the majority of managers are now women. Women on average are scoring higher on IQ tests than men are. Perhaps most terrifyingly, men seem to be becoming less male. Sperm counts across the webs have plummeted, down almost 60% since the early 1970s. Scientists don't know why. Testosterone levels in men have also fallen precipitously. One study found that the average levels of male testosterone dropped by 1% every year 
after 1987. This is unrelated to age. The average 40-year-old man in 2017 would have testosterone levels 30% lower than the average 40-year-old man in 1987. There is no upside to this. Lower testosterone levels in men are associated with depression, lethargy, weight gain, and decreased cognitive ability. Nothing like this has ever happened. You would think we'd want to know what's exactly going on and how to fix it. But the media ignore the story. It's considered a fringe topic. Nor is it a priority in the scientific research establishment. We checked and couldn't find a single NIH-funded study on why testosterone levels are falling. We did find a study on pubic hair grooming prevalence and motivation among women in the United States. Those are the numbers. They paint a very clear picture. American men are failing in body, mind, and spirit. This is a crisis. Yet our leaders pretend it's not happening. They tell us the opposite is true. Women are victims. Men are oppressors. To question that assumption is to risk punishment. Even as women far outpace men in higher education, virtually every college campus supports a women's studies department whose core goal is to attack male power. Our politicians and business leaders internalize and amplify that message. Men are privileged, women are oppressed, hire, promote, and reward accordingly. That would be fine if it were true, but it's not true. At best, it's an outstated view of America that no longer exists. At worst, it's a pernicious lie. Now, this is the last side note before I share with you the conclusion of this Carlson's um monologue of his if you want to read more about how men are discriminated against check out a few episodes ago where i go over a recent tech event in utah and how someone said something dumb but the feminists were all up in arms about how sexist it was even when it wasn't on that same episode i share about the increasing bias against men in the tech industry can i hear carlson's final words either way ignoring the decline of men doesn't help anyone men and women need each other one cannot exist without the other that's elemental biology, but it's also the reality each of us has lived with our parents and siblings and friends. When men fail, all of us suffer. Okay, it's me again. This was so enlightening because it made something that seemed like a stereotype more concrete. Women aren't victims. Women are thriving. And it's not due to feminism either. Men are failing, and sadly, everyone thinks they'll be fine in the end. But we need men. Let's embrace men. Last but not least in our discussion of how feminism actually hurts men is an app that at first glance sounds rather benevolent, but in my mind has more sinister undertones. You'll see how this all actually matches the theme of the war on men. A few weeks ago, I came across an article on Inc.com by an HR expert turned freelance writer named Suzanne Lucas, who goes by the handle Evil HR Lady. If you haven't read much from her, you should check her out. I'm subscribed to her blog's feed, so I get practically every one of her posts Plus, though, she writes in other outlets. If you're not in HR, don't worry. She makes human resources issues seem approachable and even ties them to relevant laws and current events when necessary. I first caught the article one morning and because it said towards the end that she had reached out to the company for comment, I kept checking throughout the day for updates. Sure enough, by the end of the day, she had issued a few corrections, which made the issue she focused on appear as less bad than how she had phrased it originally. However, it still deserves to be talked about. This Inc.com article originally titled, No Bumble, It's Not Okay to Discriminate Against Men, and later renamed, Resist the Urge to, er to Use Women-Only Social Networks for Recruitment. Suzanne introduces readers to Biz, a networking tool from Bumble that allows users to filter for just women. If the idea of advancing women at the expense of men sounds stupid to you, keep listening. 
because Suzanne pretty much rips Bumble a new one in her article. Bumble CEO Whitney Wolf Heard, who by the way was in my graduating class in high school, justified this feature by stating that it helps women not only connect with each other, especially in male-dominated industries, but also get the resources they need to advance their careers. Suzanne says this may give us all the warm fuzzies, but it's practically useless in a networking app that hiring managers and recruiters will use because it allows them to discriminate against men. Now, you probably guess that may have my issues with Bumble, you know, the app that allows women to make the first move or whatever, as if men were incapable of doing so. And if a man can't chase after what he wants, then I frankly wonder what good he is. Sorry, former classmate Whitney Wolfhard. I think men are awesome and shouldn't be coddled or enabled or made to be terrible and incapable of starting something great themselves. Anyways, in her article, Suzanne brings in a lawyer who explains that the gender filtering feature is discriminatory, plain and simple, not to mention potentially illegal, if enough misguided recruiters, as she calls them, get their hands on it. A rep from Bumble claims that since the company knows that workplace gender inequality is still alive and well, quote, we wanted to give our women users the added layer of customization within Bumble and Biz that they've been asking for. But just as you know, end quote. But just as you know there's gender inequality in the workplace, to use your terms, is your actual aim to advance that inequality by fostering the ability to choose to work with just women? Or to choose to advance just women? And if so, why? Lucas goes on to say that she's rather amazed that neither Fortune nor CNBC, which wrote about the new women-only networking tool, didn't question the illegal discrimination aspect. In fact, CNBC even wrote, Bumble Biz is used by recruiters or hiring managers to find new talent, so limiting the potential pool could help women compete for jobs in male-dominated industries. But here's the thing, everyone. As Suzanne concludes, recruiters should be looking for the best candidate regardless of gender. It's the only way to be compliant with federal law. <laughs> so to summarize, here's where our world is. Women have apparently sunk so low in the ability scale that we now need apps and governments to give us a leg up so that we don't get our feelings hurt because we may simply not have what it takes. Again, sorry, Whitney, but this idea is plain stupid. Imagine you're not the CEO of Bumble and you're instead an employee somewhere and you found out that the only reason you're there it's because the company you're at had to meet some quota. And instead of hiring, I don't know, Thomas, who has a ton more experience than you, they had to hire you, even though you're not as qualified. Don't feel bad for Thomas, though. I'd feel bad for this company who now has to expend more energies and resources to advance mediocre you so that you can help them, rather than let better suited Thomas come in and make the company some money from the get-go. I would also feel bad for you, the woman or minority brought on to be quota, to be honest. After all, you weren't hired because you were capable of handling a job. You were hired simply because a higher authority told your company they had to get you on board. Reminds me of California, which as of last October, as you may remember, began requiring that publicly traded firms there in California place at least one woman on their board of directors by the end of 2019 or face a penalty. That's right. If you're a woman and you're suddenly put on a board of directors in California, congratulations. Chances are you are not qualified enough and did not deserve that in the first place. This takes me somewhat full circle as I wanted to bring back your attention to the fall of men. The war on men. From TV shows, movies, and ads that only show how dumb men are and how they uh, incapable can be, including fathers apparently. They're not 
good for nothing now, to companies playing social justice warriors preaching to men. There's so much media coverage out there about how women need this and women need that, but nothing about what men may need. Just look at that controversial Gillette commercial. You know the one. It came out right around the Super Bowl this year. As of June 2019, it has 795,000 likes, but 1.4 million well-deserved dislikes. Its voiceover went a little like this. Is this the best? Is this the best a man can get? Is it? You can't hide from it. It's been going on far too long. You can't laugh it off. Making the same old excuses. But something finally changed. And there will be no going back. Because we believe in the best in men. To say the right thing. To act the right way. Some already are. In ways big and small. But some is not enough. Because the boys watching today will be the men of tomorrow. Then over a blue background at the end of the ad is a statement, it's only by challenging ourselves to do more that we can get closer to our best. <sighs> this is completely asinine. I wasn't sure I could play you the ad, so I just transcribed and read you what the voiceover narrative was saying, but basically the ad depicts towards the beginning a bunch of men and boys doing appropriate things, then the Me Too thing gets brought up in the middle, and at the end, these men are behaving better or correcting the actions of those who weren't on their best behavior initially. Of course, the ad ties those behaviors to toxic masculinity because that's what seems to be in vogue nowadays. Well, in response to that ad, a watch company, yes, a watch company, decided to make its own commercial. Actually, it wasn't the company as a whole. It was its founder, Ilan Shrulovics, who spent his own time and money to craft one magnificent response. In our interview with the Daily Wire, he says, quote, I did the commercial completely out of my own. Because I didn't get support necessarily from the people around me. They were a little bit worried that a message that was so contrary to Gillette's message would not be well received. I think they were just trying to protect me. I think they believe in the message of the commercial. But I think they were just trying to say, is it worth the risk to put your company behind this message? End quote. Let me tell you more about this ad and please look it up either now or after you finish with the episode. I, well, I've also um, linked it on the show notes. It's a great one, I promise. Anyway, the video features footage of men in various situations, including firefighters and dads hugging their children, while Sherlovix narrates stat statistics about men, which are shown on the screen with their sources. What is a man, he asks, as a fireman carries a child from a burning building. Is a man brave? Then the on-screen text reads, men account for 93% workplace fatalities. The ad continues, quote, is a man a hero? Is a man a protector? Is a man vulnerable? Is a man disposable? Is a man broken? Is a man trying? End quote. As each of the above questions are asked, the following statistics are shown on the screen, each with different scenarios showing men being remarkable human beings. One statistic goes, men comprise over 97% of war fatalities. The next one, 79% of all homicide victims are male. Next, nearly half of fathers without any visitation rights still financially support their, their children. Next up is men account for 80% of all suicide victims. Last one, 75% of single homeless men are men. I'm sorry, single homeless people are men. You get the idea. We see the good in men, the commercial concludes. I mean, come on, right? This is what we need to be reminded of more often. Men aren't at fault 
the patriarchy isn't to blame for whatever you're going through. If anything, men are failing and lacking in many respects. But the mainstream media will never address this. It's not fashionable, I don't think. They'd rather go with feminists and give them airtime for some reason. Well, not me. Not only am I not a feminist, as you know, but I also believe in the good in men. People may not be inherently good, but most men are respectable and should be treated as such. Going back to that Tucker Carlson segment on the War of Men, when my husband and I watched it together, I felt so dismayed, to be honest, and also kind of hopeless because I couldn't think of a solution other than not only making sure the men I know know they're appreciated, but also raising any future male children of ours to be good citizens. Though I know that with a dad and grandpa like they'll have, they'll only learn to model good things, so I don't have to worry, fortunately. Remember something like key that Carlson Tucker said in his segment? Men and women need each other. One cannot exist without the other. That's elemental biology, but it's also the reality each of us has lived, with our parents and siblings and friends. When men fail, all of us suffer. Okay, let me repeat that last line. When men fail, we all suffer. But here's the neat thing about men that some women haven't seemed to have learned to do for themselves. Men keep going. Even though the cards are seemingly stacked against them, even though it's like they keep getting the short end of the stick, and even though institutions like the American Psychological Association says that traditional masculinity is psychologically harmful, which is a harmful and shameful statement in and of itself, men keep going. They persevere. Well, most do at least. It's what they do. It's what being a man means. You react, you get up and keep on living. Many women are like this too, thankfully, but feminists are not. They're just happy continuing to blame others for their woes. Here's something that backs it up. This backs this up as it relates to this male trend of persevering through the tough times. I mean, I know we have thousands of years worth of context to refer to, but humor me for a second. There's a story I came across recently on those Catholic men, but don't worry, it's not preachy or bible It just makes sense. The author begins by admitting that he originally felt like ranting that men are oppressed by forces they are no fault of their own. Remember, we went over some of those earlier. That men's oppression is the fault of women, or maybe culture. He adds, quote, I wanted to project my feelings of frustration with the current state of manhood onto something else or someone else. The message I heard resonating from these voices was that you're a man, so everything is your fault. You're a man, so you don't get to say, so you don't get to say about things. In fact, you shouldn't even try to act like a man, end quote. But just as he was about to, in his words, rant about how men have been oppressed, he saw a talk by Father Mike Schmitz in which he describes the marks of a true Christian man. And the first mark, he says, is responsibility. Now look at the changing outlook that produced. Quote, By blaming others for the current state of affairs, I was not pursuing responsibility at all. In fact, blame is a sure king of responsibility. Blame renders us powerless because it's saying, well, it's their fault, so they should fix it. Blame keeps us from being able to even examine what's within our power to change. It keeps our focus off ourselves and on everyone else. I had been waiting for others to change and make things better for me. The idea was, I can't do anything about it anyway, so I'll just wait until someone else does. End quote. The author then asks that Father Mike says that's a trap that we fall into. It's called passivity. 
which is the opposite of responsibility. He continues, quote, The only way we stop this cycle of hurt is if man projects or rejects passivity and starts leading with kindness once again. The first step is to accept that men started it and that men can end it. That is our superpower, end quote. He ends his piece by admitting that there are faults and errors out there that need to be exposed. In my personal opinion, though, both genders have faults and have made errors that need to be continually exposed and addressed, but that's beside the point. His last few lines are very memorable. Quote, Men are often caricatured in the media, etc. But I can't really take that on as a project. I can, however, take responsibility and a lot more men might be better off it if they do. End quote. It's nice to see men out there who care about what's being done to them enough not to whine about it, but rather to continue to persevere through it all and do their best. So many husbands, fathers, brothers, uncles, and bosses out there keep on simply being the best they can be for their families, friends, and employees. Families should take note because their behavior isn't anything, isn't making anything better for anyone. In fact, next time I'll go over how it's negatively affecting children and later, yes, other women too. By the way, if you like to read the articles and watch the videos I brought up, including the commercials and the Tucker Carlson segment, or learn more about why I don't need feminism, go to podcast.anniesatso.com. Men don't need to be lumped into a group of bad apples just because some feminists feel that the weirdos and the Harvey Weinsteins that Hollywood worshipped for years are rampant. They're not. Society is full of very good, strong, masculine, and real men who don't need crutches, apps, or government policies like those women who see themselves as damsels in distress do. Tell me what you think. Sound up in the comments. Until next time, make today great. And don't forget to visit podcast.anniesetso.com for show notes and more. Bye. Thanks for listening to Intentionally Mouthy. If you like the show and want to know more or find the free resources we talked about, check out podcast.anniesetso.com. If you love this episode, head over to iTunes or Google Podcasts to leave a positive review and subscribe for free. Did I mention free? Thank you.